Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com slash DSO. That's betterhelp.com slash DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. So today's episode is a little different in that I have on the call with me here today two of our Dad Starting Over coaches slash meeting hosts with the DSO fraternity. And there's none other than Jack London and Austin. And what we're going to talk about today is the um, very familiar concept of being a, quote, nice guy. And for those that don't know, the term was popularized by a book by Dr. Robert Glover, which I suggest to If you're listening to this, probably a good book for you to read, and it's called No More Mr. Nice Guy. And uh, nice is kind of a misnomer because who doesn't want to be nice? It's called being a kind and a good person, right? But using the term nice guy, the vernacular of the book, what it basically means is a guy who has low boundaries, pushover guy, guy says yes to everybody, very agreeable, doesn't like a lot of drama in his life, tries to avoid it as much as humanly possible. And what we see is these guys end up in relationships and that doesn't work too well when it comes to being in a relationship with a woman. If you're a nice guy, God bless you. Good luck. Cause you kind of have a little bit of asshole in you really in any part of life, professional world and romantic relationships, relationship, platonic relationships with your friends You don't let people walk all over you. You put up boundaries. You tell the world what you expect of them when they interact with you, what you will and will not put up with, et cetera, et cetera. And Austin and Jack know this nice guy world well, but they come to it from very different perspectives. And they both came to me by virtue of reading the Dead Bedroom Fix book, but they got to that book by totally different paths. Austin, not to put words in your mouth, we'll start with you, is what we call a self-professed former Mr. Nice Guy, who, after reading my book, and then subsequently Dr. Robert Glover's book and other books, and going down that rabbit hole that all of us guys go down, um, he realized, man, I have some nice guy tendencies, and I really need to not do that anymore, because it has not been good for my relationship, which the most blatant symptom of the relationship faltering is why we really aren't having sex all that much anymore, which is why he bought my book, which in turn shed a light on, no, there's deeper issues here than just not having sex. There's a reason for that. And the reason as far as Austin is concerned is, man, I had some real nice guy stuff going on here. And Austin, does that pretty much summarize it? Yeah. um, You know, first, so thanks for having me on. Um, So I'm pretty excited to do the, this, this podcast with Jack. Um, yeah, you know, I, w- I would say, you know, coming from the, the nice guy background, um, it's, it's a full life journey to, to undo that nice guy wiring. And, uh, you know, I had, I had applied this in other areas, you know, going back to the podcast we did in the past, you know, military stuff, um, work, I've, I had always been working to undo a lot of that, that nice guy, that anxiety, that um, trying to please everybody. And reading your book is where the lights went on that that mentality must apply everywhere. It must, 
more than anything apply to your family and it must apply to your relationship with your wife. So that's, it just lighted, uh, lit a new fire. And uh, yeah, that's. So pre, pre the book, before reading the book, you already recognized at work, um, I'm being a little bit too much of a pushover. I need to work on that in the professional life and with friends. You know, I need to work on this. You, you did recognize that already. Yeah, no, I, I had always considered myself more of a, a uh, we'll say, timid person or someone who was not comfortable um, in pressure and had to develop that within myself. And um, it just, with work, I had probably gotten lazy since I had done a lot of work on myself. Um, over the probably, I would say five years before I found your book, I had I had become a bit lazy with continuing to develop myself and, and was probably coasting at that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. So, um, kind of another thing that the the dead bedroom fix kind of instills in you is that the the fight's never over, and improvement is continuous. So yeah, that was that was important. So it just really lit a new fire in me. Good, good. So you had the building blocks there. You just needed to say. I, I got to put these blocks back together again and I got to put them back together again in, in relation to my marriage, my relationship to my wife. Aha. I never thought about how that affects that side of the equation. Right. Yeah. I had pretty much uh, hidden the fact or, or um, yeah, I'll just say hidden the fact uh, in the, in the work setting that I was a nice guy. It was, it wasn't that I had fixed myself through and through in the past, it was that in one or two instances of my life, I had figured out how to not be a nice guy. Uh, but but finding the DSO world, the dead bedroom fix, and even no more Mr. Nice Guy, the book, uh, really instilled in me that it was an entire life transformation. Mm-hmm. So instead of just being applied one or two places in my life and, and that kind of being a... Um, uh, I'll say a facade. Mm-hmm. Um, it became who I was over the past year. Yeah. Very good. Now, Jack, you're listening to this and you're hearing a guy say timid, um, which is another way of, of saying in psychological terms, which I am not, let's put that disclaimer out there. I'm not a medical professional or psychologist, psychiatrist. I, it's just a cool hobby of mine to read about this kind of stuff. And in hearing, what Austin is describing is something that you hear from a lot of guys. And basically what they're saying is I was a bit neurotic and that, that led me being agreeable and not having much in the way of boundaries and so forth. You don't really relate to that at all. Do you? No, <laughs> you're the type of guy that if you're in a social setting and somebody says something stupid and hurtful towards you, you just look at them and scrunch your face and go, what the fuck do you say that for? Yeah, that'd be a nice version of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but here you guys are, you both read this stupid book and joined up in the fraternity. And now you guys are coaches and meeting hosts. How did you get to this point? And if you can't relate to the nice guy stuff, what the hell are you doing here? How I got to this point was... Uh, I was in a very miserable uh, duty position um, in the Army, in the United States Army. And I basically was working 100-hour weeks and was just mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually on every level beat down to the point that the only happiness and validation in my life came from having sex with my wife, which Mm. did create some neediness. And it was very unnatural because me growing up, I I was always a well-liked guy, a popular guy in in, uh, school, popular guy everywhere I went. You know, a lot of times I'm the life of the party where I go. I just have a good time and uh, try to give the best parts of myself to the world. And I don't really give a flying fuck what people think about me. Um, but one thing that I never was, a common thing that I see from guys is they are terrified of their wife. And, and I, I, I fundamentally 
do not understand why. And, and I, I tell a lot of guys, you're building your wife up to be a 1,500-pound Kodiak grizzly bear <laughs> that you're trapped in a fucking room with. Mm-hmm. When in all actuality, she is a yappy little chihuahua that could not possibly kill you. And, mm-hmm. But in your mind, you are running up the tree as fast as you can so you don't get gobbled up by the, this uh, grizzly bear yeah. uh, of your life. And, and it, I was never like that. I have never, ever been afraid to tune my wife up or tell her when I have a problem or, you know, and, and I don't, you know, chew her ass. I, I, I've definitely been more firm uh, and on the, the far edge of that at times. And, you know, that was something I had to work on, especially in my, my 20s. Uh, you know, controlling my anger and things like that, which is extremely easy for me to tap into. Uh, it, it's as natural as breathing, but <laughs> it is inappropriate, um, you know, in family life, yeah. the vast majority of the time. I'm, I'm sure there are situations for it, but 99% of the time it's inappropriate, I'll, I'll, I'll say. So you are what we call, for lack of a better term, the quintessential alpha male archetype. Um, I'm not afraid to get mean if I need to. Very low neuroticism, very low in agreeableness. F you, I don't agree with what you have to say. Um, but yeah, I'm your fourth quarter guy. I, I mean, I, I love pressure. I operate well under it. I'm comfortable in it, and I'm confident in my ability to get the results I want, uh, even in a situation that is new or precarious. Um, I. I, I just, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I look at it as uh, I'm going to get my way, whether I have to go over it, under it, left, right, or blow the shit up in place. I, I don't mm-hmm. give a fuck. I just do it. There's, there's a term that is used a lot when talking about relationships. And really it comes up a lot when you talk about leadership as well. Um, and it's an uncomfortable term. And it's one that the nice guys have just taken on hundred percent. And they, 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 um, they hang their hat on it, which is a term called it vulnerability. And anytime you're in a relationship with another person, you're at some point going to have to be vulnerable. You're going to have to open yourself up a little bit. You can't be super alpha male, tough guy. Nothing hurts me no matter what 100% of the time. You're going to have to let the guard down a little bit. Is that something that's difficult for you? Yeah, I, I will tell you that. Up until I became a uh, part of this group, if you, I, I'll, I'll give you a, a story. My wife and I were watching uh, The Bachelor a few years ago, and there was one female contestant on it. She was a psychologist from Seattle, and she used the word emotional intelligence, and I chuckled <laughs> as she defined it to this uh, other female that she was a uh, busy telling her, Hey bitch, you have zero EI and everything. And I'm sitting there laughing. And my wife looks at me and was like, what are you laughing at? And I was like, that, that term is fucking stupid. (laughs) That, that is, that is dumb, you know? And, And I, I was the actual idiot there. I fully contested that. And it, it is something that I've had to train myself to give a fuck about. Um, and once I did care about that and really just made the term relatable to me as in have situa- uh, situational awareness, Jack, and know your, your, uh, I, I would say, I know my audience. I, sometimes I just don't give a shit, uh, mm-hmm. who my audience is. And sometimes I do They I, I have to kind of, you know, know what the consequences are, uh, whether I go unfiltered or not. And, um, but EI was something that I really had to train myself to care about and study because uh, what I know is most of the A type guys that I know are, including myself, that is not a go to thing. That Mm -hmm. is not a thing that you have a lot of. And you, if you, if you do acknowledge it's out there, it definitely isn't, uh, firsthand. It's not, 
you know, something you're comfortable with. So yeah. that, that's yeah. what I've really had to study and work on. And I do appreciate it now. And I, I'm a lot more mindful and I, I don't try to fix my wife's uh, problems when she vents to me. I just shut the fuck up and I listen. Mm-hmm. And if she asks for advice, which oftentimes she does after 45 minutes of circling around to the same fucking thing uh, over and over and over again, we get to the finally get to the point and I give her the uh, advice I've had for 43 minutes. So Austin, vulnerability is something that, like I say, a lot of nice guys are, yeah, I know that I've been vulnerable my whole life. I, I don't mind emoting to this person or that person, it's wife or not. I will, I'll let them know how I feel. And if I'm sad and I'm, I'm feeling down at the moment, <clears throat> is that something you can relate to? Have you been a vulnerable guy? Yeah. Yeah, of course. So, so I think that's a, uh, I like how you're framing that because um, you know, the, the never nice guy has, the the um, I guess the confidence and alpha mindset down and and probably struggles with vulnerability um, while it's the exact opposite for mm. a nice guy <laughs> they they have mm-hmm. that that internal conflict majority of their life they have they're they're constantly doing self reflection and overanalyzing situations. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it just, it makes sense that they know the vulnerability side and where they're misguided is applying it externally. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oversh- oversharing, problem. dumping, you know, mm-hmm. it's okay to feel anxieties and neurotic thoughts and ruminations and so forth. What's not so great is, Hey, person sitting right next to me, let me go ahead and just dump all this on you so you can feel it too. And, right. And, and there's also the situation that, you know, nice guys not having the uh, emotional maturity. I'll, I'll take emotional intelligence mm-hmm. on one hand, but emotional maturity to behave proper, properly in that dynamic. And, and something that they can tend to do is weaponize that vulnerability. Mm. There was something that was brought up recently on the Facebook group. We had a gentleman who was downright hostile and angry, but boy, this is a common sentiment, which is now that I've starting to understand the dynamics between men and women a little better and what got me into this mess to begin with the dead bedroom mess. And now that I see things are improving, what bothers me is that I recognize that, wow, I just can't open up a hundred percent to my wife like I used to. And that really bothers me. My wife can open up to me. She can cry to me. She can emote about her day nonstop. But when I do that for any amount of time, boy, that turns her off. And that's just not freaking fair. In other words, he's saying, I want to be vulnerable with my wife and I can't be. To which I say, yeah, you can be. There's, there's a limit to it. It's just with your nice guy tendencies, boy, there's a tipping point And you go right over that tipping point pretty quick into yuck, what's wrong with this guy territory. And your wife just feels very comfortable saying, oh, I don't like this go away and shuts off the sex and leaves the room. And she just feels very uneasy. And it's very obvious to everyone. Wife is just not happy. Well, no, because her knight in shining armor, the guy that's supposed to be the rock in her world has just shown that he's not a very um, secure person either. Just like she's not in that moment. And he says, well, I should have the right to be insecure in that moment with my wife to which I say, you so many of these guys say, I have no one to turn to. And in, it was funny in his post, he put, I was talking to a friend of mine and we cried together. And he said, I have no one to turn to. And I feel bad. And I often lock myself in the bathroom and just cry it out because I can't do it to my wife. And I think there's something deeper here, which is he, two guys are getting together, emoting to each other and emptying on each other. Great. That's what friends are for. Have at it. But they still feel that deep need to know I got a woman sitting there next to me and I really need to dump on her and I feel depleted. If I don't dump on her, I just don't, I feel like there's a scratch that needs to be itched there. And uh, what do you think about that? Can you relate to at all to that? Austin, did you feel a need in your nice guy ways of there's this woman here and I, I really need to emote to her right now? 
Yeah. So, so there's, there's a whole lot to unpack there. Because yeah. um, on, on one hand, um, vulnerability is very, a, it's a single word. So what does that even, even mean to be vulnerable to your wife? You know, if, if your wife notices that you're, ha- that you're very stressed out or, um, you know, you're having a rough day and, and she asks you about it, it's vulnerable to say, yeah, I'm stressed out with work, having a rough day, but, you know, I'll be good. That's vulnerable. I told you what's, what's going on. I let you know something's bothering me. I'm not pretending I'm all good, but it's a completely different vulnerability to, you know, start crying. And, you know, now you're, you're putting your problems on her. You're dragging her down. And, and if you're expecting some type of affirmation from her, you're asking her to work to build you up. Uh, there, there's a lot going on there beyond vulnerability. And if that goes too far, not only is it tossing a wet blanket on top of her, but it's also, like I said before, weaponizing that vulnerability to get something. Yeah. That's a problem. So, yeah, when, when you're not, um, when you don't have well-rounded relationships and you're expecting your wife to be your lover, be your psychiatrist, to be your buddy, to, to bounce ideas off of and drink with at the bar. You're, you're expecting her to fill every role in your life. It would make sense that she can't pivot from asking you how you feel when you're stretched mm-hmm. out on a psych- psychiatrist chair and, uh, you know, strip her clothes off and say, let's do this. I'm turned on. That makes sense. And I think there's also, um, this concept of, why men, why some men feel this very strong urge to empty out, empty and, and emote to the wife. I, I think a lot of it is a lot of these men I talk to um, come from not so healthy relationships with mom. And there's the uncomfortable term that I've brought up a few times, uh, emotional incest, which is you are kind of a surrogate spouse around the home with mom. You know, dad's not around very often. Dad's off to work or dad left completely. And you're the quote man of the house. And you have to hear mom emote a lot to you. And sometimes that emotion come emoting comes in the form of don't ever be like your dad. All men are terrible. Uh, Don't be like those assholes. You need to be soft and sweet here. Listen to mom emote some more. And that's very unhealthy dynamic between a son and their mother. And they take that into their next relationship with their wife. And um, they just see that that's the default way of interacting with the loved one. We're just going to sit here and complain and emote to each other and um, just let the world or the, the day's anxieties out to the person next to you. It's not healthy to, to a point. Yeah, man, I'm having a bad day at work. My boss is an asshole. Ugh, I got 19 projects to do. I don't know. I'm going to do this, but anyway, yeah, just bear with me as I'm, I'm probably be a little agitated over the next few days. Vulnerability. I'm, I'm, I'm a bothered person. I got things going on. I'm having a little difficult time dealing with it, but hey, just bear with me. Nothing wrong with that, as opposed to crying, emoting, just, uh, I don't know what to do about myself. And, you know, some of these poor guys just really let it out and they really let their wives know in no uncertain terms. I have a very difficult time as an adult coping with life day to day. And can you help me mommy, basically is what they're saying. And that's very unsettling to a lot of women. Of course it is. It'd be unsettling to me goodness if uh, my wife came to me with the same type of you know be my father figure and help me through life and i don't know how to deal with anything i'd think less of her so you can imagine what the wife may think um do you find austin with your past are are you swinging the pendulum too far over in the other direction sometimes and do you find that your wife sometimes has to remind you it's okay to let your guard down a little bit no I, I haven't found that. Uh, I mean, I've, I've, I've heard comments uh, before that, um, you know, I seem to never be bothered. Um, but I, you know, no, nothing like it's gone too far. Uh, I have heard from my own wife. Uh, she said on a couple of occasions, are we going to talk about what's bothering you? Which, which means obviously something's going on in the head of yours. You're not being you. What's up? And that's going to be, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, it's, 
my mom or some, something happened there. I had got off the phone with her and I'm irritated or whatever it may be. And uh, yeah, I'll let her know. Hey, yeah, this is what's going on. And yeah. I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And Jack, it, it's good to hear that you recognize you have a difficult time kind of opening up in that uh, emotional realm and you got to take time and sit and listen. Um, but have you gone as far as opening it up a little bit about your own insecurities or vulnerabilities to the wife in any way, shape or form? Or do you, do you find you have a very, very difficult time doing that? No, I don't do that. Uh, the way, and I don't disagree with uh, it in a very controlled manner. I don't think that's wrong in any way, but I don't need comfort from my wife in that area. Uh, for example, my wife knows very, very little of what I've done overseas. And I've been through very, very extreme things that if I were to, to when I've had to go to a psychologist for prior to different training and they ask you very uh, specific questions and you answer questions like, uh, have you ever killed someone in combat? How did that make you feel? Mm -hmm. And you're able to look them right in the eyes and say, yep, uh, you know, it's what we do. You know, not a, not a big fucking deal, man. Uh, you know, and you're, and they kind of look, uh, turn their head and scratch their head and they're like, huh? Uh, all right, man. And, um, that actually kind of pisses me off, uh, to be honest, because I'm like, oh, that's my fucking job, dude. Like, it's not, it's no different to me than scanning, uh, being a Walmart cashier, you scan the item, put it in a fucking bag and have a nice day. Here's your yellow happy face sticker. Get mm -hmm. the fuck out of my building. You know, it, it is just what I do. Uh, you know, the guy, the soldiers I've lost and things like that, uh, 22 of them uh, over, over my time, you know, I think about that shit every day, but I'm not going to put that on my wife. You know what I do? I call my buddies when I'm having a hard time. I call, they know by the tone of my voice when I call them when I need help mm -hmm. and they, they know the difference between, Hey Jack, quit being a fucking pussy <laughs> and uh, pull your fucking dick out of your ass and get back with it. Yeah, man, I got it. Okay. I'm good. So I'm if, if your anyway, wife, if your wife were to catch wind of one of your emotional moments with, with the war buddy, with the army buddy, I don't know, maybe she overhears a conversation on the phone or something and she, she, and she comes up to you and says, um, you know, I don't know if she would ever do this, but if she did play pretend, you know, it kind of bothers me that you can open up to uh, Sergeant so-and-so like that. There's part of me as your wife wishes that you could open up to me like that about some of this stuff. What's your response during that? That, that uh, has actually happened before. Mm -hmm. And she said, Jack, you know, I, I wish you could open up to me. And I told her very simply, uh, I secure myself first. And, uh, you know, what I mean by that is that is my uh, burden to carry, not yours. And um, those are my experiences. And I'm not going to dump that off on other people because m most, I'll tell you, most men cannot handle what I tell them. When they ask me and I give them a direct answer, they, they think I'm uh, like damaged in some kind of way. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I, I don't, that, that is why I really don't talk about it outside of very specific people that I vet through conversation that they can relate to it. Very, yeah. They can relate to it and they understand the context of what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. uh, it, the life that I've lived is 99.9% .9 of the people on the planet will not, will not be able to relate to. Uh, even a lot of people within the military think guys that do what I do are completely insane. They, they think we're nuts. I hear it all the time. You know, when you talk about, you know, they, they hear a few uh, infantry guys or uh, SF guys or whatever talking about things and getting really into it and talking about, you know, 
oh yeah, I blew the shit out of that door and then threw a grenade in the room. And then there were a couple guys left and I, I freaking put three rounds under their face and like, you're all excited about it because yeah, fuck them, man. They're the bad guys. And that's what you got to do. You know, you don't feel sorry about that shit. You just execute, you know, and they look at you like you're completely nuts. So I'm not going to take that information and give it to my wife because I don't need her. I don't need to unpack that with her because she can't even, there's nothing that she can uh, give me that would help me with that situation. And what I've found to be most therapeutic are the men that I've served with and went through those things that I maintain close relationships with. One way of framing it that I've often heard from military guys is I'm, I'm kind of protecting you, dear wife, because the, the emotional turmoil that can result from knowing the chaos that I experienced and the stress that I experienced, you don't want even a portion of that. And it's, it doesn't serve any of us good if, I have that baggage and now you have some too. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm kind of saving you why from, from the, the, the stress of knowing what I know and I'm dealing with it in my way. And I guess part of it is that she needs to be secure in knowing that you are in fact dealing with it and not suppressing it. And it's not going to bubble up at a later time in a really bad way. Yeah, and, she knows that. And then the other thing I wanted to say is, uh, the way I was brought up, you know, my uh, I- I'm a product of divorce, but my stepdad came into my life when I was about three mm-hmm. and he he's still currently with my mom and he effectively raised me. He was a career police officer and uh, SWAT sniper, very A type guy, taught me to shoot, do everything that, um, you know, I do. And um you know, it was very, uh, very good to me uh, in, a, in a lot of ways. And he, his family, even the women in his family are very emotionally closed off. Yeah. Uh, with, to a, uh, to, to an a extreme, fault. to yeah. a bad extreme. I, I don't, in my mom's side of the family is very affectionate and very talkative and all that. And but I wouldn't really classify any of the men on her side as nice guys uh, either. And so I I saw a healthy version of that, but I remember my stepdad uh, pulling me off to the side and he was like, never ever share your big problems with women. Mm -hmm. You don't do that. You don't cry in front of women. In fact, you don't cry at all, man. You don't do that. And I would say, is that the best guidance, that last part? No, no probably not. Mm. But, I, I mean, nothing is worse than watching an adult man cry over something that shouldn't be cried about. Mm. I, I mean, you just feel sorry for him. Well, so this, this begs the question then on, on, dad, on stepdad's side of the family, how common is alcoholism and other means of coping? Um, yeah, pretty common. Yeah, pretty common. That 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 stuff's got to come out in some way, and yep. it's very often that uh, alcohol seems to be the drug of choice for your uh, alpha male type. It's a very good uh, escape, Re- relaxation helps you forget all that shit that's going on in your head. And I will tell you, he also af- uh, right after he retired uh, from being a police officer. He low-key had a mental breakdown uh, to where he actually, like, it all came out yeah. and was, like, uh, and my, me and my brother and my sister had no idea. And my mom kept it a secret. And then one day she told us, and I was absolutely shocked. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even picture it in my head, mm-hmm. what she was telling me. And, and I was like, are you, are you joking right now, mom? Because it, this guy is hard as woodpecker lips, man. He, <laughs> he is a fucking hard ass. He is a legitimate asshole and a, a, a good one. And, and uh, you know, he means well, but I could not even, I've seen that man cry exactly one time. And yeah. that was when uh, my grandpa, his dad died. 
that was the only time I can ever, ever remember mm-hmm. him showing that type of emotion. So with his breakdown that shows you that shit's got to come out in some way. Did, did he have, did he have healthy outlets at all? As far as you can, as far as you're concerned, as far as you can remember. Um, he had his buddies, but you know, a lot of that was, um, kind of, I don't know, maybe I was too young or maybe I wasn't, you know, I, I probably wasn't focused on it or looking at it, but you know, looking back, I, I couldn't tell you one way or the other, you know? Yeah. Okay. I, so, I really don't know. So this begs the question then to both of you. Here we are. We're human beings. We got shit that goes on in our lives and some of it's pretty damn awful. Some of it's like the, the awfulness and chaos of war. Some of it's our own flavor of terribles. I've, I've talked to men on, on these calls one-on-one in coaching that have stories that uh, make your toes curl up. It's pretty bad stuff. Um, really awful childhood things and, and then some. What is the proper mechanism for these guys to deal with that? The nice guys, if they're not so nice guys, alpha male types, you know, I talk to military guys, police officers and such that probably fall in the more alpha male, not so nice guy category. But the commonality amongst all of them is they're human beings. You got to get this shit out one way or the other. What's the, what's the healthy way to do so? I'll, I'll take this one. Uh, in my opinion, you have the war council and you summon the council up and your, your buddies. And if you don't have buddies, that is a problem in and of itself. If you don't have men that you can trust with this type of guarded information, you have another problem that you must fix. And, you know, maybe you're just that introverted that you don't have friends, but then who do you go to? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really don't even feel comfortable to uh, emoting to a female psychologist. I, I actually talked about that, um, I don't know, in, in a Zoom meeting or a podcast we did at one point, you know, um, somewhere along the line, I, I talked about that. And, uh, you know, where they had where I'm at, you know, when I went to seek help on some things and get things on my uh, medical record. You know, they, they keep sending me to woman after woman. And I'm like, I do not want to talk to them. I don't. I want to talk to someone that isn't just hearing me, but contextualize what I'm saying, can take it in and can frame it the right way to and relate to it. And, and that's very important to me uh, personally. But find that for yourself and your wife shouldn't be that in my personal opinion. And if you are going to show that vulnerability Mm -hmm. and, you know, my wife has asked me, Hey Jack, you know, I can tell something's going on and 95% of the time I'm going to say, yeah, I just, I had a rough one. I'm going to go do my thing for a little bit and I go do whatever I do. A lot of times if I'm really pissed off about something, I go to the gun range at my buddy's house about 20 minutes away, bang uh, steel targets for a while. I forget about all the problems and then they don't even matter. And, and it's fine, you mm-hmm. know, and then I come back and I'm perfectly, perfectly fine, you know, and she knows that. And she goes, Hey, you need to get away. And she already knows that about me. She knows that not only can she not fix the problem, she shouldn't even attempt <laughs> because it's only going to make it worse. So it sounds like your prescription is you find some kind of outlet for the aggression, for the anger, for the stress and in, in your form is shooting, shooting at things. And plus the, well, this goes for everybody. You're going to need some kind of friends and you're going to need yeah. some kind of people to confide in. Um, and this is a good, but well, it's good advertisement for something like the DSO fraternity. I mean, how many guys do we know that, post on the groups and so forth, or get on the calls to say, I have nobody else to talk to this shit about this shit with at all. N- none yeah, of they that. can't relate. And, it, and a lot of it yeah. could be, they, they can't put it in context. And some of it, you know, for a lot of guys, they would be embarrassed by it. And we deal with this shit all the time. It, it's not, no one's going to judge you 
or anything. We all have, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm an open book. I'll tell you about all, all my fucktarded moves that got me to where I was. And, you know, I'm, I don't shy away from it one bit. You know, I hope I can help others by, by being that open book to those men, you mm-hmm. know, and no one should shy away from that. Use the group, get on there. Yeah. But to your super nice guy types, I can see where they listen to this. They listen to us talking. They, they feel a little confused because on one hand we're saying your vulnerability, Hey, just kind of keep it under wraps a little bit, buddy. You know, don't just share that with the whole world. It's, it's not an attractive thing. And frankly, we don't want to hear it, but on the other hand, find who you can confide in and then just let it rip and let it all out because that shit's got to come out one way or another. But so it behooves a guy and, Austin, I'll go over to you now. It behooves a guy to find that tribe, that group. I don't know. What do you want to call them? Your army of guys, um, your squad, <laughs> who that you can confide in and empty on. In Austin, what have yeah. you found? What is your method for coping? Yeah, so so there's there's a couple things here. And, and mine, mine really aren't that different from, from Jack's, but, you know, it just – from the background, I will probably, you know, express it in a different way. Um, you know, first of all, everyone around you that you're interacting with has their own role, right? Um, your, your wife has her role and her relationship to you. Your best friend has that role. The guys that you hang out with on the weekends, the, the people you work with, a psychologist has their role. Um, and, and, you know, a support group or even a men's group like the one that we're a part of has its role. And balance is so important because you, you don't want to mix those up. And I think that's really something that Jack was that you don't dump on your wife the things that you would be, you know, letting go to a, a psychologist. You um, shouldn't be constantly bouncing off ideas that should really go to your buddies onto your wife. Um, and you probably don't want to be in the middle of a, a meeting with colleagues at work and start talking about things that you would say in a private men's group, right? So all of those places are separate things. You need all of that. If you don't have all of those outlets, you're missing something. And for someone who comes from the nice guy background, who probably, you know, invests heavily in what they desperately want. So if their focus is their friendship and uh, uh, intimacy and or lack thereof, and, and their time spent with their wife, if they're putting all of that on their wife and, and not just emotionally, but they're not out doing hobbies. They're not working on their physical fitness. They're not, um, you know, hanging out with friends on the weekend. It's not just focusing their, their um, discussion and support in all of these areas. It's a thing those areas. So for nice guys, it's very important to grow themselves. So they have these avenues. Otherwise they, they won't have a hobby to go do and, yep. and decompress. They won't have a group of guys to, to kind of get their, um, their improvement working. They're not going to have someone to, uh, to tell them that they're fucked up and they need to get their shit together the way that only a good guy friend do. Yeah. So I'm hearing a lot of know the time and place. And, um, you know, there's this concept that I hear a lot from guys, which is I should, I should be able to emote to my wife. I should be able to do fill in the blank without negative repercussions. So it's, it's a very infantile way to think. Well, let's take that same logic and say, then are you saying I should be able to go to the break room at work and sit amongst a bunch of colleagues and employees and say, so I masturbate to porn twice a week. What do you think? Is that bad? I mean, they would all look at you like you got a leg grown out of your head. Like, what in the hell? And then HR will call you and say, you can get the hell out of here. We're like, well, man, I should be able just to talk about that. Then. No, there's a time and place. And 
you can have that kind of conversation in the, one of the DSO groups. Nobody's going to shame you for it. You'll get opinions on porn's bad. Well, I, I dabble in porn on occasion. Masturbation's fine. Um, don't do it to porn. I'm, and we'll talk openly and no one will say, wow, what a weirdo. Because that's the time and place for such a conversation. My, my, I'm overwhelmed by life right now and I feel stressed and I feel anxious and it's just too much. Um, I'm sorry, guys. The time and place for such an emotional dump is not when you're sitting with your wife on the couch in the living room. Well, I should be able to. You can. But the reality is, is that, um, you know, the old uh, for every uh, up, there's a down, the yin and yang thing. And you're going to get a reaction. And the reaction is going to be one not so great. Your wife's attraction levels to you will diminish. Um, Her sense of safety and security will diminish and there will be negative repercussions. Sorry, this is life. Um, Somebody may have a similar chat with your wife and say, uh, if you were to just eat nothing but junk food and gain 50 pounds, your husband may not be as attracted to you anymore. And she may, well, that's awful and terrible and stupid. He should love me no matter what. And that person will say, yeah, this is the real world. I'm sorry, but looks matter. Same kind of thing. Same kind of thing. And whether you come to that conclusion via your nice guyness, or if you're a alpha male type that has a, you know, very real human anxieties, stresses, inadequacies, vulnerabilities that you need to get out. I think we've all concluded that your wife is not necessarily the greatest person for that. She is not your therapist. And this kind of goes to uh, another point before we wrap it up. Um, modern day marriage is tough because we've all convinced each other that um, our spouse is our, uh, our lover, our bestest friend in the whole wide world, our caregiver, our um, emotional therapist type person, our life coach, or fill in the blank. And we think for whatever reason that that person we say I do to needs to fill all those roles. And if they don't, something's wrong. And I'm sorry, but that's horseshit. And I think a lot of you guys have been sold a bill of goods. That, that does not exist, nor should it. That's too much pressure to put on another human. I'm not that for my wife and my wife's not that for me. Uh, any closing thoughts, guys, before we wrap her up? Yeah, I, I can, I'll tell you with my coaching and just watching, it's the way I kind of, I'll, I'll throw it out there. I'll, I'll test people a little bit. And one of the common things I, I see with nice guys is they are absolutely shocked by the way I put things and just how blunt and unapologetic blunt force trauma truth. When I hit them with that, they're, they're absolutely shocked. Like, I can't believe you just said that dude. And, and you don't give a fuck also. Holy shit. I know immediately I'm dealing with a nice guy. No other information needed. Uh, you have to look at You're, you're going to hear some crazy shit if you walk around uh, long enough. And you have to look at how you're projecting yourself too. And I do that a lot of times now just to find out who I'm really dealing with and kind of put people in a box a little bit. I'll, I'll shit, say a little edgy comment you know, in the right context. And if I get a reaction of chicken little in the uh, sky falling, I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go. Uh, you know, it is one of those things where if you, you are deeply alarmed by someone that says something a little bit edgy, but it's not really wrong, you might need to take a look at some things, man, kind of calm the fuck down. It, it ain't that serious. All right. And Austin, anything yep. to share before we, uh, yeah. So, so w- one thing I have taken from, from coaching, um, recently is, you know, a lot of guys are not sure that they are nice guys, especially when they read a book like no more Mr. Nice guy, you know, they, they, they see the extreme side, you know, the, the guy who came up without a father, the guy who, uh, 
you know, was constantly receiving um, emotional dumping from the um, you know, these very extreme situations that made them into a, a highly unstable, um, nice guy. But, you know, not everybody is that extreme. And it's, it's uh, you know, a, a lot of guys, they kind of have a, a deep down nice guy situation where it's, it's not that they didn't have masculine um, influence. It could more so be that they had just more feminine influence. Maybe their their breakdown was thirty percent time with their father and seventy percent time with their mother, and it stayed that way throughout their their youth. So when they get older, they just gravitate towards female affirmation versus male masculinity. They're intimidated by the male masculinity and they seek that affirmation from women. And it just shapes who they are a bit. And it's not quite the doom and gloom situation they might read in the New World Mr. Nice Guy book. So um, I've, I've encountered that a few times at this, at this point. And, and I, I will even say for myself that that was a similar situation. Um, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's something that if you, if you recognize really where you're coming from, it's easier to, to work yourself towards those, uh, those more assertive, confident styles of pre presenting yourself because you understand that's where you're lacking. You're, yep, yep. you're not necessarily lacking in the ability to circumstantially stand up for yourself you're lacking in the the long-term gravitation towards certain things so it's, yeah. it, it can be very subtle not all of us were given the same emotional tools in their toolbox yeah. and some of us were given the wrong tools <laughs> we're given the female set of tools and we're like we're out in the real world going how come this shit ain't working it's like dude, put that in the tool pick up the hammer instead oh okay now it's clicking for me right um, and if and if I could, if I could throw in yeah. one more thing, just to kind of summarize, um, you know, Jack and I are good friends and we've landed, I kind of started at the very beginning to point out that we kind of have landed in the same area. He's still going to be a lot more assertive than I am. And I'm probably going to be a lot more vulnerable than he is. And, and maybe that is um, something that's always going to be there because it's personality types. But, you know, the fact that we are both, um, you know, leading meetings together, we're doing podcasts together, we see things the same way means that there is a correct direction to work towards. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to have a group that aims you in that right direction. Because, you know, I, I would have never found this without the book. I wouldn't have found the right place without the guys pushing me. Um, you have to be pushed the right direction. Yes. There was one other point I wanted to make, and Austin reminded me of it. You know, I wrote an article, the, the man at work and the boy at home, and that is a very common scenario where you've yeah. got, you know, a, uh, a leadership, a guy in a leadership role in his line of work or his career, and then he completely exceeds that, that role when he – you know, five o'clock, 1700 hits and he shows up at home. And I, I, I've sent that article to, I don't know how many guys I know. And I'm like, this is you, man. You need to unfuck yourself. You're acting like a bitch. Your wife wears uh, the fucking pants and we both know it. And I have that relationship to where I can say that. And they're going to be like, yeah, fuck you, man. But I'll read it. And then they come back and they're like, holy shit, Jack. I never thought about it like that. And you're a hundred percent right. Mm -hmm. But you have to be that dude that, and you put it well uh, the other day and I can't remember what there's so much uh, content floating around. I, I sometimes I kind of lose myself where things come from, but I remember key phrases, but you have to be that Swiss army knife to where you can handle all these things as a man. 
you can't have that one huge chink in your armor to where, you know, everything penetrates uh, through that point. You know, I, I think a lot of men fall into that. I, I hear it all the time and I see it all the time to where these big brute mean a type guys go home and completely fold in front of their wife and are just defeated and you can read it and she's often bossy and mouthy and i'm like oh my god check your attitude woman and you won't treat me like that because i look her right in the fucking eyes and she knows that shit's not gonna fly with me and she tries it and i I put her in check immediately i I don't really care i'm I'm just not gonna be treated that way um you know but uh the guy is just dumbfounded he's like why does she talk to you in one kind of way and me in another way and i'm like because she she doesn't see you like she sees me man she knows i'm i'm to be respected and she doesn't have that that respect for you and i i've put that very bluntly uh to a friend of mine that we were over at dinner and he pulled me off to the side and he's like is my wife hitting on you and i was like no i don't think it's like that i i think it's more of you know you're in a role you're the whipping boy man and i'm not and you can have that too but you have to check that ass when that shit happens and and you know he, he started um riding the course so i'm proud of him very cool very cool well and if, if anybody's listening to this if this sounds familiar to you, what we're talking about, the nice guy stuff, the vulnerability stuff, this sounds interesting. If you're nodding your head going, yep, yep, yep. And if you haven't done so already, check out the group. Go to dadstartingover.com slash join. And there's a video you can watch. And there's all kinds of information about what we call the DSO fraternity. It's the members only group. And it does. there is a price involved. It's $14.99 a month. Or if you want to pay for the whole year, it's discounted and it's 149 bucks. And we have articles just for our members. We have podcasts just for the members. We have, what are we up to now? Four meetings a week, three or four meetings a week. Yeah, we're like four meetings a week uh, on average. Yeah, Yeah, live meetings that we have on Zoom. And we record all of them. And we put them online, the whole archive of the old meetings. So we have like, shit, I don't know, 80 plus hours, almost 100 hours of meetings there now that you can listen to. You can spend weeks listening to the meetings. And uh, you can listen to them all from your phone on the podcast app and the books that I've written are all on there as well. So you can download them and read them or you can uh, listen to the audio also via your podcast app. So lots of stuff. I think it's a pretty good value for $14 and 99 cents, to be honest with you. I think the guys would agree. And, um, Oh, and also you get discounts on uh, one-on-one coaching with myself, with Austin, with Jack, with Scott, and with Thomas. And uh, we're here to help you guys out. You're not alone in, in your thoughts on this, whether you come from Austin's former Mr. Nice Guy pathway, or if you come from Jack's alpha male pathway, we're all human beings. We all have the same needs. And you guys listening to this, you're going to have to get help with your issues one way or the other and do it the healthy way. Don't, don't resort to the bottle. Don't go to the drugs. Don't go get a hooker. <laughs> and, uh, don't emotionally dump on your wife day after day either. So with that, uh, Jack and Austin, thanks guys so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it. And uh, to you guys out there, thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next one. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men 
just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, discounts on one-on-one coaching with myself and other members of the team, discounts on our video courses, and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.